Good morning. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody have in-laws and family come over? Is everybody thankful when they left? It's part of Thanksgiving, isn't it? You learn, you learn what the true meaning of Thanksgiving is about, about 3 o'clock on Thanksgiving afternoon when everybody leaves and you're like, hey, everybody's gone. I'm thankful for this. And, uh, you know, but I hope, I hope you did. I hope you ate too much. And, you know, it's one, one day of the year I think that we are uh, forgiven and uh, we had a good Thanksgiving. Um, the weekend before Thanksgiving, we... Uh, we kept saying we were going to go on vacation this summer, and, and every kind of vacation turned into a youth trip. And, um, and, so, uh, and so we said, the, the, right before Thanksgiving, we'll get out of town for a little bit. And so me and my wife and, and little girl, uh, Addison, and, then, uh, and her friend, Bella Grace Yates, she, she's over there. They, we all went to... Uh, to Great Wolf Lodge over in uh, Fort Worth, around Fort Worth, Dallas area. Has anybody ever been to Great Wolf Lodge? All right, so here's the deal. I, I never have been. I've been to every youth place, like anything that would ne- like come close to attracting a student, or just I feel like across the United States, I've been to it. But I've never been to Great Wolf Lodge. And... Um, and so I, I knew kind of what to expect, but I didn't really know. We were just going to go spend a couple of nights, and we walked in. And I will tell you one thing that they do very well is it's very, very appealing. They, 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 um, they make it from the start to the finish like you're, you're engaged in, in what is going on. The other thing that they are really, really good at is, is other than entertaining and, and, and really drawing in kids, is they're really good at making money. And... Uh, uh, the CEOs are, are brilliant. And, uh, and so we walk in, we, we, we do our thing, and then they're like, the girls the next morning, like, let's go to the water park. And one thing I learned really quick is like when you get off the elevator and you're going into the water park, it's all indoors and everything, and uh, you're walking down the hall headed towards the water park, there, you start seeing these booths and, and storefronts and stuff that are all, and so like you can get your name put on a bracelet or you can get your name put on a necklace. They, they sell boxer shorts. I'm sure you can get your name put on those. And, 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 and you walk and, and immediately to your right is like an ice cream store and you can get a $10 scoop of ice cream. And then you can go over to the, uh, to the arcade and you round the corner and they sell these things that are very addictive. And they're these little magic wands. And I'm going to talk about them in a second. But you go past that and there's like a laser tag and you can get pizza and then your kids can get manicures and pedicures. And so what I learned is the easiest thing is just to go to the ATM and get a big stack of 20s. And when you're walking down the hall, you just throw them out and you just, and, 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 and it just, it works out easier that way. But the magic wands really intrigued me. Okay. The magic wands really intrigued me. So you get these magic wands. Now they're only like 15 bucks for your basic magic wand, or you can upgrade to one of your colorful magic wands and they are like $20. But then you can upgrade from the colorful magic wand to the special sparkly magic wand, and that's like $30, all right? So you're like, oh, you know, as kids, you love your kids, so you're like, yeah, I don't want to be like, I don't love my kids, so I'm going to get them a wand. And then, but then you realize that it doesn't work without a topper, and you can get a basic topper for like $10, or you can get a super uh, topper for like 20 or you can get the magic, most marvelous topper, and it's like 30 And you're like, okay, I finally got my wand. Here's $60 I've dropped. And then it's like, oh, do you want to play the game? And you're like, I just spent $60. The game ought to be playing itself for me right now. 
And I'm like, well, that's $25. And so, and so I'm sitting there, I'm looking at all this. I'm like, Addie, we don't want to play this. And she's like, Daddy, I do want to play. I said, let's give it one day. And so I was bound and determined to make sure that she did not want to play it. And so I sat outside. You play it all over the hotel. You go to these little booths and everything. And, and on our floor, on the seventh floor, there was one of these boxes, and there was constantly kids running up. And what I noticed is half the time their wand didn't work. But what I noticed is that kids that are Addie's age, she's five, she's going to be six on Wednesday. The kids that were Addie's age and, and younger, that they just had to have this wand. Their parents had to play because obviously they can't read the little book to know where to go. And, and so their parents are playing. Well, the kids, after about five minutes, don't want to play either. And, and so what I noticed is that they would get up to this box and a kid would lay out on the floor and be like, can we go back to the room? And the dad would be like, no, we're going to play. And I know what the dad's thinking. He's like, I just bought a $30 one and I just bought your $30 super sparkly magic topper. And now we're playing this game. it, we are going to play this game and we are going to have a good time. And if we don't, I'm going to spank you the whole time. You know, it's like, and the kid's like, I just want to leave, you know? And it's like, oh, see, Addie, we don't want to play this. And she looks and she said, daddy, I don't want to play. And and what, what, what I noticed a lot is finally people would get, and I'm not, not sick of their kids, but it would be like, we need a break. And, and, it, and all of this situation, as good as it was, what I noticed is there would be people, there was a lot of kids just kind of doing their own thing. The place is designed for families to come together and have a good time, okay, as a family. But what it ends up happening, I think, a lot of times in those places is the parents are over here and the kids are over here, and then probably everybody then has a good time. And maybe we miss the mark a a little bit when we're in a place that is designed for for families to come together. What we're going to look at this morning is a miss. We're going to look at a miss where, where everything was set in motion. Everything was designed. Everything was all in one spot for, for man and Christ to come together but it didn't happen, and the guy that had every opportunity in the world to spend time with Christ and to know Christ and to be changed by Christ and to have Christ dwell in him missed Christ completely. I think that during this holiday season, this is something really important for us to remember. Um, and if you want to, you can be turning this in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at the rich young ruler, which is a story that you've heard, probably heard many times. But I think during the holiday season, we can, it's easy to miss and because so much goes on. If, if, you're like, if you're like us, you know this, that, that, that starting right now, starting, maybe it's already started, maybe it starts next week, that it's just going to be constantly this one Christmas party to the next, and then this event, and then this event. And in itself, none of those events, none of those times, none of those family times, none of those fr- times with friends and, 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 and co-workers, none of those times are bad. In fact, they're good. But, but what my, my fear is, because I've seen it happen in my life, is that we can get so caught up in those moments that we get through Christmas and we hit December 26, and we're laid out, and we're exhausted. And, and I've, I've noticed that there's been years that I've looked back and said, this whole season, we celebrated the birth of Christ, but I've really not spent any time with Christ. Or, or I've been so busy that my, my focus has not been on Christ. It's been about where, what event I need to go to next. And, and, and it gets shifted from one to the other. We are in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. And it says, And as he was setting out on his journey, 
a man ran up and knelt before him. This is talking about knelt before Jesus. And asked, asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Now, I think this is pretty interesting. This guy runs up and he falls at, at Christ's feet. He, he, he runs up. You see, you see a sense of emotion. You see a sense of, I, I want this. I, I need Christ. I need this to happen. And he runs up and he falls at Christ's feet. And he said, he said, he said Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and he asks him a question. Jesus is really good at throwing a question back at a question. And he says, he says, he said, hey, he said, I got a question for you. He said, why do you call me good? He said, he said, because good is, is really for, for God alone. So, so why are you calling me good? And, and I think what Jesus was doing here, he's not trying to discourage this guy. At first, it seems like this is harsh. It seems like, it's like, Jesus, this guy is like, it's like he's, he's asking you, he's, he's like, you don't have to even approach him. He's coming to you saying, I want eternal life. And, and you're, you're not having to work this sale or you're not having to, to, to get him to a spot where he's ready to surrender to you. He's saying, hey, what do I need to do? And Jesus throws this question back and says, well, why, why are you even calling me good? Good is for God alone. And I think what Jesus is trying to do at this point is he's trying to get this guy to really stop for a second and think about what he's asking. Because what Jesus knows is that for him to have eternal life is going to require complete surrender on all aspects of his life. Complete surrender in everything that he knows, everything that he does, everything that he is. And, and he's, saying, he's saying, man, you're calling me good teacher, do you really know what you're trying to say? And I think that one thing that we can really, we, the first thing that really stands out to me is that we can't flatter our way to Christ. We can't, we can't take and flatter our way to Christ. Our, our words, Christ is so much more worried about our, our attitude and our, our, what is going on inside of us, our true emotions about our true desires more than our words. And I find this in my own life is that so many times I have to stop and say, Josh, do you, or do you, you're saying this to God, but do you mean it? Do you, are, you, are, you, are you serious when you say, God, I want you to be completely everything in my life? And I, and I, think, it, I think that maybe the Holy Spirit saying, Josh, I want you to question what you're saying. It comes off the tongue easy, but it's hard to let the heart, it's, it's tough for, for your heart to wrap that around. And and I think God is saying, uh, Jesus is saying to him here, he said, do you really know what you're saying? And in Luke, hang on, I'm sorry, I got off. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, now this is Jesus having a very similar conversation with a different guy. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go up and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, Lord, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. In verse 62, it says, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for, the service, uh, for service in the kingdom of God. 
what Jesus is saying to this guy, this rich young ruler, is the same thing that he is saying to these, these gentlemen here. He's saying, guys, I'm not trying to distract you. I'm not trying to, to discourage you. I'm not trying to, to be like, uh, to pull you away from the decision that you're making, but I don't want you to make an emotionally based, just quick decision that is rash. I, if you're gonna surrender your life to me, I want you to know what you're doing. I want, you, I want you to be sincere. I want you to know that this is not a commitment that is lighthearted. It's not a commitment that is easy. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of changes in your life. It, it's the best thing, but it's not the easiest thing. And I think it's good for us to really think about our, in our own lives. Have we truly surrendered our lives to God? Have we truly said, you know what? I know that this is not going to be easy. This is going to be tough. It's going to require some, uh, some tough things on my part, some changes on my part. But I, but I want to give my life to you. And that's what, and, and so this morning, if, if, if that's something that you're not sure about, I would love to talk to you about it afterwards. One of our pastors would love to talk to you about this afterwards, just to, just to visit, um, just to have a good conversation about it. I, I don't want you to walk out of here questioning where you sit with God. And that's what Jesus was posing to this guy. He's throwing this question out. And then you see him step forward in verse 19 of Mark 10. It says, you know the commandments. He starts answering this question here. He says, you know the commandments. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher... All these things I have kept since I was a youth. This guy is looking for answers. And so Jesus throws this out here talking to him. And he says, this guy's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, all right, you want to know? And he starts listing a bunch of commandments from the Old Testament. Commandments that this guy would have known very, very well. And the guy, almost in a relieved state, he's like, he's like Jesus. He said, man, he said, everything is good. He said, man, I've been, I'm, I've been keeping these things since I was a youth. He said, I, I'm good. If, if, and, the, you know, you've got to look at this guy's attitude when he's saying it. It's almost like he's like, man, this is awesome. Everything is good. Everything is good because I've done these things. I've made this all happen, but what is interesting is Jesus throws at him a lot of commandments. All these commandments are dealing with how we deal with other people. But he, because I believe without a doubt, Jesus knew this guy's heart and where he was struggling was with submission to God. And he almost, it's not like he's trying to trick this guy. It's just where he's trying to get this guy to start thinking. And so he throws this out there and the guy's like, man, everything is good. And then in verse 21, I mean, in verse 20, he said, uh, and he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from, since I was a youth. Verse 21, and Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Jesus sits down and he started, you see the conversation get a lot more intimate because it says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I believe without a doubt in my mind that Jesus knew that this guy had hangups that he was going to have a really tough time letting go. And I think that this is an encouragement for me because I know that I have hangups that, that sometimes are tough to let go. 
by no means am I perfect. And I constantly find myself saying, God, will you help me to, to get better in this area? God, will you help me to surrender my life more in this area? I, one thing I've never wanted to do is to stand up here and act like I'm perfect. And for me, this is an encouragement, this statement that Jesus makes or the statement that is made about Jesus because this guy, I believe without a doubt in my mind that Jesus knew that this guy was missing it in some areas. And it says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing that I want to tell you that I want you to be able to take away from here this morning is in the midst of your faults, in the midst of your mishaps, in the midst of your broken, messed up lives, Jesus is looking at us this morning and looking at your life, not just the good things, but the, everything that makes up your life. And he's looking at us and, and says, this is this person, I love them. Jesus looked at this rich young ruler and, and, he, and he loved him. And then he throws the gauntlet out for him. The gauntlet that's going to require surrender And he says, you really, he said, one more thing you need to do. He said, you need to give up everything that you hold dear. He said, you need to give up all of your possessions and you need to sell all of your possessions to the poor. He said, he said, sell everything and give all the money to the poor. Get rid of all of this money. Get rid of all of this wealth. Get rid of everything that you're holding so close. And then you inherit eternal life. Now, I think this is important for us to wrap our heads around. Selling our stuff does not equate to a relationship with Christ. But for this guy, I believe wholeheartedly that this guy, he held his possessions as his God in his life. He held these possessions tighter than anything else. And what Jesus is saying here in the scripture is, he said, you want to give me your life, you want to inherit eternal life, you, wanna, you want to have me in your life, then you've got to make me king of your life. Because right now, the stuff that you have in your life is king of your life. And if you choose not to do that, if you choose not to get rid of the stuff in your life, then what you are saying is that you have chosen the stuff over me. And I know that many times I feel like in my life that I've chosen stuff over God. And I think that it's pretty easy to do. I think that we all can struggle with it at times. For some of us, maybe it is money. For some of us, maybe it is just power. For some of us, it is it's sports. For some of us, it is family. That we would hold our family. And there's nothing wrong with family. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with, with hunting. I love to hunt. I'm a red, I got a great hunt, red hunting story in just a second. But um, we can take these things and place them over what our relationship with Christ and what Christ is saying to us, whatever that thing is, He's saying, I want you to give that up. Get rid of it completely because right now that's your God. And if you're saying that you want me to be God of your life, you've got to get this God of your life out of here. So my question for us this morning is what is the thing that Christ would point that is holding us back? What is the thing that if we were sitting down having a conversation with Christ right now, what is the thing in our life that would, that would be, that, that would be holding us back from having God be completely the Lord of our life? The last verse of this, verse 22, we see the guy's response. And for me, this is probably one of the saddest verses in the New Testament. For me, I I mean, I just, it, it kills me when I read this. 
because, because this guy came up to Christ so excited, so fired up, so passionate that he was like, man, this is what I want. This is how I want eternal life. Jesus, what do I need to do? I'll do whatever it takes, you know, just like falling at Jesus' feet. And when Jesus told him to give up what he holds dear, here's a response in verse 22. It says, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had many possessions. The New Testament says, and I mean, uh, the uh, NIV says, at this, the man's face fell, and he went away very sad because he had great wealth. The guy knew what needed to happen, and when he was approached with the opportunity to make this happen with God, when God called out in his life what he was holding stronger than anything else, The guy's face fell because he knew what he needed to do, but he wasn't willing to take the step that was required to do it. He wanted to look the other way. So let's get real for a second, just honestly. If you take a look at your if if you take a look at your life, and and it's just one of those things that I think is just gonna have to be honest on our part. If you Take a look at your life this morning, Sunday after Thanksgiving, and you're sitting down and you put your place, yourself in the place of this rich young ruler, and you're sitting down face to face having a conversation with Christ, and, and you ask him the question, what is it going to take for me to be on page with you better than I've ever been on page with you? I've got two questions. One, what is he going to say is your thing that is holding you back from having a relationship with him like you've never experienced before? Maybe it's multiple things. Maybe it's just one thing. But honestly, what is that one thing or those couple of things that are, that, that are holding you back? And you know that they are. You know, you know, you know that these things, that they're things that you're convicted about. They're things that pop in your mind. And probably if, if, if you're really, really honest, they're swirling around in your head right now. But these things that are holding you back from having a relationship with Christ that is unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And the second question is, what are you going to do about it? The se- second question is, what are you going to do about it? We, either can, we have two choices. We either man up or, or tough woman up and address the situation and handle business. Or in my opinion, we take the pansy approach and we duck our head and we walk out the door and our face falls because we're sorrowful because we knew what we needed to do, but we weren't willing to man up and do it. One thing that I feel like God has been telling me and just screaming at me for, for the last few months in my quiet time is, Josh, are you willing to do, you say that you want to be used by me in a very, very powerful way. And I feel like he's been constantly saying, are you willing to do what it's going to take to get those things out of your life, to move forward and I will tell you that as I remove things from life that I feel like keep me from God, I'm thinking as soon as I get this, I'm good to go and everything is going to be good to go. And I just want to give you this disclaimer. 
that when we get those things out of our life, what we're going to find is that there's going to be new things that pop up, that we never were on our vision that are holding us back from completely being right with God. And God is going to bring those things up to our mind. And you're going to be, there's going to be times that you're like, God, all these things, I'm, I, I keep thinking if I get this right, then everything is going to be all right. If I get this right, then everything is going to be all right. And, and I was asking God, I was just being honest with him one day. And I was like, God, I keep trying to get all these things. And I, and I, and I, and I move forward with you and I straighten this out in my life. And then you bring this up in my life. And I feel like God looked, just me and God having this open conversation, I felt like. And he said, Josh, that's what discipleship is. That's what discipleship is. This process isn't going to stop. The day that this process stops, it's either one of two things. Either you quit breathing or you quit growing with God. The day that discipleship stops is either when we die physically or we start to die spiritually. And I think that God is screaming to us right now saying, give me your life. Let me have all of it, not just part of it. Not like this rich guy that walked away sad. Walk out of here knowing that you did business with God. I'll save my hunting story for next time. Let's pray. God, I just, uh, I love you and I thank you. Father, I pray that as we uh, go into this time of decision, God, I pray that, uh, that you will speak to us. I pray that, 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 God, I pray more than anything that just, that we can honestly just do what you want us to do. That, that we can just, just, just set our pride to the side. That we can man up. That we can, that we can just be real with you. That we can quit worrying about what other people think. And be more worried about what you think and what you desire for our lives. Father, that, that, that we can be used by you and not held back by junk that we have. That keeps us held down and keeps us pulled apart. God, I pray that as we step into this Christmas season that we won't miss you. And the way that we won't miss you is that we will be connected to you. And that we can use this opportunity right now to start and to move forward with you. If you've never given your life to Christ, and, 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 and I want to say as we're, as we're sitting here praying that, that salvation is what Jesus said. He said, this is not easy, but it's the thing that needs to happen. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to start that discipleship journey without me. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I encourage you to do so right now and say, God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. God, I admit to you that I, that I, that I mess up and that I've, I, I'm, my life is a disaster. It's a bunch of junk going on. But God, I know that Christ died on the cross to, to, to forgive me of my sins. And right now, I want to give my life completely to you. I want to place you as number one on my ladder. Not sports, not hunting, not my family even, and not, not money, not power. I want you to be the king of my life. Because I don't want to walk out of here sad knowing that I needed to do business with you and didn't. Save me today. As we have our heads bowed, I want you to think about those two questions. 
what does Christ point out? If you're sitting in a room with him right now, sitting across the aisle from him and you're talking to him and he says, and you say, Jesus, what, what must I do to be right with you? What is, what, what would he say to you right now? What's holding you back? What's holding me back? The second thing, are we willing to do something about it? Just a moment. We're going to stand up. We're going to stand up and it's going to be time to, to man up and do something. You don't have to walk an aisle to do business with God. But there's something, there's something powerful about walking and, 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 and falling down in the presence of God and saying, you know what, I'm tired of fighting these battles. Or, or God, I'm ready to move a step further with you. And just, and just fall and prostrate before the Lord. Just get on your knees and, and, and saying, God, I, I'm, I'm surrendering to myself because I've got a lot of things that are number one over you right now. I just encourage you to do that. I just encourage you to do what you need to do with God right now. Let's stand together and respond.